You're listening to the DGD Podcast. Sponsored by La Touraine. Here's your hosts, Robert Reynolds and Juan Daniels. Welcome to this edition of the DGD Podcast. As always, the NCDGD himself, Robert Reynolds. Got Harris Arena from Top Dog Talks on with me today. And we're going to go over the scrimmage that took place Saturday. Not not fully in-depth, but we're going to talk some key takeaways from the scrimmage Saturday. Uh, first off, the show is brought to you by La Terrain. Watch it. Use code DGD at checkout. Get 10% off your purchase site. Why? Also, check out the Patreon and the Discord. Discord.gg forward slash Bones Brigade. Patreon.com forward slash DGD podcast. Get inside intel. Uh, you won't catch anywhere else. And join our free community Discord. It is completely free uh, for those that are curious. Uh, great community going on there. With that being said, hey, welcome to the show again, Harrison. How you doing, buddy? Doing great, Robert. Thanks for having me on, bud. It's uh, always a great time to be on the GGD podcast with the Bones Brigade. I'm looking forward to another great episode and talking to talking to you again, chopping it up. Oh, you know how it goes, man. You know, absolutely know how it goes. So we're going to go ahead and talk about this, man, because I think it's pretty important stuff, right? Uh, for those, obviously, that did not know, Georgia holds their uh, first scrimmage of the spring practices. Um, yeah, and listen, there are some good takeaways, in my opinion. Right? Uh, we'll go ahead and get started with this. Do you want to, I'm going to let you, since you're the guest, do you want to start with the offensive takeaways or the defensive takeaways? I think defense is where it's going to get a uh, little interesting. I'm with you there. So, with that being said, we'll go ahead and start with the defense, right? First takeaway, right? There's some work to be done, right? And listen, there, it, we kind of expected this, right? The the real ones know in that if that in that regard. Look, you, you're losing a ton of talent, a ton of talent to the NFL draft, and that's fine, right? So you kind of expect some growth, you know, growth, uh, growing pains and hiccups and things like that, and that's why you have spring practices. Get that stuff out of the way. Get the guys ready to go because there's a lot of rotating, uh, moving pieces, right? There's all these linebacker spots are getting settled. Now, obviously, you've got a couple guys that we know are going to be rolling with the ones. But but moving forward, you know, you can look at guys, that, especially in the linebacking core. You know, J, uh, JDJ, we'll talk about in just a second. But, you know, Smile Monda, right? Uh, Xavier Sori, all these guys, right? Uh, Robert Bill. There's just so many pieces moving around, you know, and it's just getting guys set up and, you know, and just finding the best fit and who's going to be able to start come September against Oregon. But I want to get your thoughts on the defensive takeaways from a, you know, from a mile high standpoint, if you want to look at it, uh, what were your takeaways Harrison? I, I think the big thing was like Robert said, you know, there is a lot of talent leaving this defense from a year ago, the defense that took college football by storm for, through the first 12 weeks of the season, you know, obviously Georgia won that undefeated run, uh, going 12-0 and on their schedule, only hiccup being that Alabama game. And, I mean, really, putting that SEC championship game aside, the defense really couldn't do any wrong. I mean, they always made plays. Uh, they even scored some touchdowns for the Georgia's offense, even when Georgia's offense wasn't hitting on all cylinders uh, in a game like, what, Florida? for the first half where, I mean, that defense just blew the doors off uh, the Gators for the most part. So I, I think defensively, you know, there's going to be a growing pains. But, you know, one thing that that I think is a constant from season to season is 
you know, the offense is always going to beat up on the defense, you know, for the first few weeks of an offseason. I, I, I think that's been a constant under Kirby Smart, even even with the great defenses. I think, you know, the tone that is set is by Kirby Smart and by the staff is, hey, you know, we may be a, a week or two behind these guys install-wise. The offense may be, you know, they have more starters than we got returning. They got all this production coming back when we got, you know, three or four potential first-round draft picks that have departed the team. So I think I'm not too worried about the defense being, you know, I, I don't want to say manhandled by the offense, but I'm not too worried about it right now uh, because, I mean, knowing Kirby Smart, you know, Glenn Schumann, Will Muschamp, they're going to get those guys right. I, I I think the big thing is, you know, this is the youth movement for Georgia. Uh, Robert's already said, Jamon Dumas-Johnson, Jalen Walker, a true freshman linebacker, getting, you know, a lot of snaps, a lot of reps this spring. You know, and that's that's no insider information. That's no news to anyone else. I'm sure Rob's already talked about it. With all the injuries Georgia's had so far this offseason, you know, it's only going to bode well for the future of this team. I mean, you look at Kamari Lasseter, all these freshmen, they're going to get a lot of snaps in spring and in the fall, and it's going to benefit them down the line. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, you sit there, you take, you know, obviously take what we had last year, right? You had a lot of experience coming in, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, uh, you know, coming back, right? Um, you know, for these senior seasons, for one final run, right? Running it back. Unfinished business was the hashtag back, you know, last year. You don't have that right now. You have a couple guys. You have Nolan Smith. You have Chris Smith, Tyke, right? William Poole. Uh, listen, and these guys are going to be expected to, you know, to keep that, um, you know, the leadership model, the, you know, how Kirby envisions that defense and the team for that matter. You know, these guys are going to be the next, you know, group of guys, right? The core uh, of the leadership, right? But obviously I think Kirby wants the leadership to trickle into everybody, right? Last year we heard it at times where the freshmen were policing themselves, you know, and that the culture, right? The culture in that regard is vital for success. So, you know, you're, you're getting guys into new positions, you know, like more of a leadership role, which you hear about, you know, Kirby Smart getting on to uh, Stetson. It's the same concept, right? You need that kind of thing, right? You need, you need the accountability. And Kirby's going to have these select few guys, even though he don't want to say it, you know this. There's a select few guys that we know are going to be looked at as the captains and the leaders of this team. And he's going to hold them to just a slightly higher level of standard than the other guys. Now, that level that level is still dramatically high, right? Because you're just coming off a national title. You have to sit there and expect, you know, people going to come at you, things like that. So you have to be disciplined. And Kirby knows that, right? You heard it in the uh, Florida, you know, Florida halftime speech, right? Discipline. You heard it there. It's constantly preached to by Kirby Smart. And there's no reason why you shouldn't expect the same, whether it's Kirby Smart or any Georgia fan. But you sit there, you've also got a lot of youth. Now, I'm not saying experience. I'm saying youth in, in these spots trying to fight for these starting roles, right? Like Jonathan Dumas Johnson, in my opinion, is going to be a dude. I, I love the fact what he brings, right? I saw out of high school, you know, he's ready to go. And it showed last year when he sits there and he has a pick six and, and just making plays, right? Force fumble in Saturday scrimmage. So you see he has the ability to make these plays. Now it's translating it on a consistent basis if he were to become the starter at whatever spot he is, right? And I think you're going to see that, you know, throughout all three levels of the defense. 
right? You're going to see these things. But to your point, Harrison, right, we talked about the offense being ahead, right? And that's typical for most offense and most teams in general, for that matter. You have your offense ahead of your defense. And listen, Georgia's bringing back a ton of offensive production, right? Don't, don't get too caught up on the fact that Jermaine Burton left, right? Look, you're looking at the injuries with the tight end position. I get it. Brock Bauer's not there for the spring. Darnell not for the spring. I get it. But when you have the talent that Todd Hartley brought in, uh, a Rick Gilbert, uh, Oscar Dell, right, that right there, you're going to be fine. And then you look at the receiver position, right? Don Blaylock is back, folks. I don't think – if you don't understand, expect that to know now. My man is back. He had a huge day Saturday, huge day. You need that, right? Going into the season, we knew AD had probably solidified himself because, let's be honest, great year last year. You know, the stats favored Brock Bowers, and that's okay. But when it came down to clutch moments, guess who was making big-time plays? Harrison, you want to answer that for me, my man? Adoni Mitchell. Exactly. I mean, the national championship catch, there's no catch bigger than that. I mean, yes, run, Lindsey, run is, is, I mean – Probably still, well, I don't know. The run Lindsey run probably still ranks number one in a lot of people's minds when it comes to big plays and big catches in a game. But that that A.D. Mitchell play, Rob, I don't know where you rank it, but it, it's going to be right up there because it delivered Georgia National Championship. Listen, not only did it get us the go-ahead touchdown, right, but the difficulty on that catch, right, to make that catch is ridiculous. Like, you see these guys making crazy plays now, and it almost becomes the norm that they're going to get caught, right? But I still don't think people understand just how difficult it was to catch that with the guy draped, you know, right there and still hold on to it. Through- so it's really important, you know, that shows you exactly what we saw all the way to Pat this past G-Day. Eddie Mitchell season uh, last G-Day, too, if you don't remember. It was like, okay, so we got us a guy, right? And this is three-star coming out of high school, true freshman. Okay, got you. Now you sit there this year, coming into G-Day, he is the guy in the receiving core. And there's no – I don't think there's a, really a question after that. You know what I mean? He solidified, he solidified himself as a bona fide wide receiver one on the outside. We know what he's capable of. And now we need other guys to sit there to get healthy and, and gain confidence and get the, get the production up to help him out, help Bowers out, because you know teams are going to – and this is going to what we'll transition to now. With the offensive efficiency that we had last season and bringing back all the key pieces that we had, you know teams are going to sit there and try to scheme uh, Brock Bowers out, right? They're going to try to scheme A.D. Mitchell to where he can't be as effective. So you're going to need guys like Kiers Jackson. You're going to need guys like Lab McConkey to make even more of a step up to sit there – and counterbalance these scheme uh, schematical uh, adjustments. And this is why Stetson Bennett and the whole quarterback competition right now that we're seeing is so crucial because Stetson brings back a ton of experience. Carson might not have the starting experience, but he's got the talent. So same with Brock Vandegrift. Getting these guys rotation and getting their confidence up for one is going to make this quarterback competition more, you know, more exciting for one. They're, they're getting each other better. But which in turn, whoever starts will help this offense be efficient and even more efficient than what we saw last season 
to possibly help with a defensive regression that we're, I'm expecting at least, even if it's ever slightly, right? I, I still think you're going to see some regression because it's just the, the level of play from last season is so high. You can't expect it to be that high just yet. Yeah, I expect it to be high. I just thought about that high. So the offensive efficiency, if you have the right key pieces in place, that offense can take a next step up and even help the defense out as well. Because how many times have we saw in years past, with Harrison, where the defense basically bailed out the offense? And now it's almost this situation where the offense has the opportunity to perhaps bail the defense out if something were to happen, right? The efficiency was scoring bringing in Bobo, which I think people don't really understand just how important that was, you're adding firepower to an even, you know, even more potent offense. Listen, it might not be Oklahoma 80-yard bombs, but it's methodical, it's efficient, and that's the most important factor right there is efficiency. If you get the ball and you score points every drive, nine, I would say most times, more times than not, you're going to win the game, especially if you have a defense that can make stops. So – you know, the quarterback position is going to be key, but the offense getting the right guys in the playmaking positions, right? Does Ladd McConkie break out another one? Don Blaylock, is he coming back in, you know, fully healthy and ready to go? Based off of Saturday, there's a damn good chance that you could sit there and see Don Blaylock be completely back and be a true passing threat come September. Uh, you know, but I want to ask you a question first while we're sitting here as well. From the offensive side of the ball, what – what was your main takeaway from what position group um, that you were that you were excited about, or that you were just the most intrigued about? What position group uh, on the offense was it uh, from Saturday? I, I think you know from reading the various reports that come out, you know, that came out over the weekend, and and, and particularly uh, the one that I'm, I'm I'm you know loyal to and and work with Brooks Austin's you know SI Dogs Daily report and his three takeaways it was the as he said in in his article the quote three-headed monster uh, out of the backfield I mean you and you've already mentioned him Kenny McIntosh Kendall Milton uh Dejan Edwards you know Brooks said it best I mean they were breaking off runs off to a a really good start to spring and I think it's a, a group that I don't think many are talking about uh Kendall Milton's yeah I mean had a lot of flashes he's made a lot of plays so far throughout his Georgia career but injuries have kind of hurt him a little bit uh in, in the past I think over the last two seasons he's missed games because of injury and uh that's going to be the big question for him this season is with him taking on the major workload is you know how does he last how does he hold up durability wise and can he keep healthy and stay on the field same thing with Kenny McIntosh I mean McIntosh missed uh time last season you know just months after seeing him in the Peach Bowl, I mean, really break out and, and help Georgia on that game-winning drive that set up that Jack Pod lesney field goal. I mean, McIntosh was the guy that drive. He was making plays left and right. He was the check down for JT Daniels and did a lot for that offense. So I, I've been really, you know, not being at the scrimmage, but from what we've all seen come out on, on the internet, uh, not behind paywalls, but in, you know, on, on free internet from what we can talk about for the most part. I, I think running backs have been the headlines. Um, and I think having a good running game in the off season is only going to make the defense better because I mean, I, I, I think it's people have talked about it in the past is, you know, the a more physical team is going to be the one that's used to playing the run or used to running the ball. I mean, there's no question that Georgia's linemen, you know, will benefit 
from playing a strong running game. So I'm, I'm I'm interested to see how that running game progresses throughout the year. I think, you know, they got the three backs they need, not to mention Branson Robinson. I mean, dude's going to be a beast when he gets on campus and he starts oh, yeah. getting some carries. Oh, I mean, yeah. look at his physique in high school. Absolutely ridiculous. And we can't sleep on Andrew Paul either, right? I, I think this is where Kirby prides himself on it when it comes to offenses having a stable of backs right, that are all complementary to each other, right? I think this year is going to be interesting because Kendall and Kenny are both really multidimensional already, right? And I felt like in years past with Zeus and Cook, it was almost niche-esque, right, where Zeus was in for runs and pass protection. You know, as soon as Kenny – or not Kenny, but as soon as James Cook would switch in, it was almost like people were expecting pass. And this year, you kind of saw that balance between Kenny and – or not Kenny, I keep doing this. I'm so fascinated with it. Uh, you know, James Cook and Zeus, you saw this balance, right, where, you know, Zeus would come out and catch uh, passes out of the backfield. Uh, Kenny – listen, James Cook had the block, right, the block for Stetson's pass to A.D. Mitchell. Go back and if you didn't remember that, go back and watch that block. He set a perfect block to allow Stetson the, just enough time to get that ball out. So we saw this kind of balancing act, right? And I loved it. But I think with Kendall and Kenny, there we go. I can finally say Kenny now. Sitting there, you look at the balance these guys have. You know, Ken, Kendall can run extremely hard, very physical. He's kind of like your Zeus, but I think he's a little bit more – balance in the pass game whereas ken or kenny right this is going to be k1 k2 at this point good lord you're basically looking at you know true balance can do it all right so when he's on the field man defense has got so confused because you know it's just a mismatch because you don't know how to scheme against them he, he can pass the ball ask michigan he can he can run the ball obviously extremely well and he's definitely a good catch, uh, receiver out of the backfield. So it's just interesting to see how this is going to play out, especially in the running back room. And then when it comes to the fourth quarter and these guys are, you know, wearing teams down, then you get throwing Branson Roberts, sprinkle Branson in there or something, and let him bully ball you down and score a touchdown or two. I'd love to see that too. So, Pretty much what Dejan Edwards did for the last two seasons. You know, throw him in the fourth quarter in and in a game where, you know, maybe maybe you're already up big time, but, you know, Dejan Edwards get in there with his physical running style and just bowl people over. Um, you know, a man among children almost. Yeah, I definitely, you know, honestly, and listen, we're not sleeping on Dejan Edwards because Dejan, he, he has been underrated so far. But I'm telling you, when he gets in the – when he gets on the field, his patience – and his physical running truly shine. And, and it's really a sight for, you know, sore eyes. When you sit there, you have this kind of, you know, for, you know, you feel like this drop off in the running back room and it's really not a drop off at all because he runs so well. He's, he's a lot more patient. So, you know, Zeus had a real big issue with just trying to lower his head and go. And that's the exact opposite, right? It's just, it's just one of those things where, like, you see he's so patient. It kind of reminds me of, like, Le'Veon Bell back with the Steelers, right? You really saw that with his patience. He would sit back there and kind of just hesitate, tap, 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 and go. He had that burst to sit there and do that. And that's what Deshaun can bring. We really saw his patience. And, and when you get that and you let the guy, you take the time and you be patient, you let your blocks form and then hit the hole. 
that right there can turn a two-yard, three-yard gain into a huge hit-your-head-on-the-go-pulse type gain. Uh, and, and that's and that's key, right? That's, that's what you want, especially in the fourth quarter when you're already asserting your dominance. So, you know, I, I think you're looking at that right there. Uh, it, there's just a lot to take away from the offensive side. Uh, as we see the Brigadiers here, Chad Buchanan, my man. But, Harrison, what are your thoughts on the potential of having this in one specific package, if you will? You have Kendall Milton at your running back. You have A.D. Mitchell outside. And then you've got Darnell, Brock Bowers, Rick Gilbert, and 13 personnel. What do you do if you're George, if you're Todd Munkin, what would you do? And how scared would you be as a defender seeing that come out? As a defensive coordinator, I don't know what I would put on the field. I mean, are, are you going to come out in a heavy package and, and try to get as many defensive linemen on the field or try and get – three to four linebackers on the field so you can, you know, help prevent against the run. Like, what are you running against those guys? It's almost like George is going to force you into a nickel package where you got more DBs than you probably want to against, you know, usually a heavy run formation. You know, in the past, before before Georgia, before Brock Bowers, uh, you know, 13 personnel, that's a that's a that's a running package. I mean, you're gonna run behind all those big bodies. Now it's a hey, we can run 99.9 percent of our offense out of 13 personnel because we can do whatever we want. We can dictate what you do defensively, and I think that's the beauty of what Georgia has personnel wise. Is you know, 13 personnel. You got like like Robert said, Brock Bowers, Eric Gilbert, um, Darnell Washington, Kendall Milton. You know, in the backfield. And then you got A.D. Mitchell, you know, all these guys on the outside at receiver. I mean, you, you can you can go run, you can go pass. You, I mean, you can do whatever you want and just have your way because either way, you're just going to take what the defense gives you. If the defense goes out there in a nickel package, then they're already, you know, susceptible to the run. You can go run if they're not a good, you know, if they don't have good run support from their, from their DBs. But if, you know, if they're good in run support, then you should go pass it on them because, I mean, how are you going to guard all three guys? At tight end specifically. I'll tell you how you guard them. You go the Texas A&M route and recruit five five-stars, D-linemen. That's what you do. And speaking of the target that, on your back for, for a uh, expiration date. And speaking of that, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a go off the, on a tan- – not a tangent, but I'm definitely going to bring this up. So, for for those that didn't know, LT Overton, Labius Overton commits to A&M Friday, Right. Uh, we talked about it Friday right before we uh, went off the air. You know, at 3 o'clock Friday, he was going to announce his commitment. I made my prediction for AM at the time, and I was right. AM signs eight five-stars, according to 24-7 composite. I don't think that that's the most ever, right? We know that their class was already the highest ever, according to the rankings that you see. Just adding insult to injury there by adding another five star. So I wouldn't be like, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I know it's well over 330, and that's by far the highest you'll ever see or you've ever seen. And it might be something that you might never see again. But I want to show you something, Harrison. I got to bring this up here for you. So how do you how do you respond to this? There we go. Let's do this, right? Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Under Jimbo Fisher, we're gonna look over here. See this guys? Look right there, right? Oh. 
Oh, right there. There we go, boys. 2018, look at these records and look at the recruiting rankings, right? 2018, 9-4, right? 17th overall in the country. 2019, fourth overall going 8-5. Sixth overall goes 9-1. Eighth overall in 2021 goes 8-4. and four. And now he's first in the recruiting class with eight five-stars. And, and we don't know what his uh, – we don't know what's going to be looking like. But I can about assure you it's probably going to be at least 9-3. and three. Why do kids want to go to A and M? Is that what is that what they're looking at? It's, it can't be money, right? It just surely can't be that. I I, I just want to say real quick, Robert, before we do get into this, I mean, let's just go ahead and give props to Jimbo Fisher for recruiting a number one rate class off a eight and four, and I mean, average. You're averaging about nine wins a season. I mean, go find me another coach who can have nine wins a season and get another number one recruiting class. I mean, that's ridiculous. And, uh, so and listen. To him. Just based off of College Station as a as a place and an environment, right? Eight and four record. Listen, the best you know the best cult you'll ever see to have in eight five stars and bring the top class by far, right? That's impressive. That's really impressive. But my, I'm telling you right now, in all seriousness, keep it together and we'll see what happens. But right now, he's got multiple things to worry about. That right there, that class tells me. That in three years, his ass better have won a national title or his ass is gone. Mm-hmm. Because there's no reason at this point you just signed the best class ever. So if you can't get it done in three years, I don't know why you're still there if you're AM. And if listen, money apparently is non-factor there at AM. Uh, you know, listen, if, if I'm a if I'm a if I'm a booster or an alumni, I'm really scratching my head at this point, you know, because Listen, to, to amass the level of talent that they did, and really you look at five guys on the D-line, right? D-line alone, they focus so much on five-star D-line talent. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling to wrap myself around how much talent that is, right? You're Walter Nolan, uh, Shamar Stewart, uh, LT Overton, right? That is a absolute fuck ton of talent on the D-line. I'm sitting there, like, what do you do with all that, right? Like, are you literally planning on starting every single one of them? Or are you trying to kind of replicate what Georgia does? And that's rotating guys in consistently, right? Rotating dominant guys in all the time. Is that what he's trying to do? What is, what's, the, what's your thoughts behind amassing that level of talent in one class? Like, what are your thoughts? Like, how would, if you're Jimbo, what is your thoughts? Let's just say that. Well, I think first off, obviously, you're going to want to play the best player each position. I mean, the 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 the, the you know the standard, the the baseline answer: play the best player at each position. But then, you know, in this area of college football, and, and we saw it back after Georgia signed their number one re- recruiting class in 2018, that 2018 class, you know, the transfer portal just exploded. I mean, Justin Fields entering the portal, Brenton Cox entered the portal, Cade Mays entered the portal. I mean, majority of those five-star talents, those guys that garnered so much hype coming out of high school, left Athens. And, I mean, you look at the butterfly effect that created, um, as, as people have pointed out on, on social media, that opened up a scholarship for Stetson Bennett to come back to oh, Athens. Oh, yeah, I did. And, and then proceed to get a national championship. So, you know, for Jimbo, I think, you know, you're going to go about your business the same way you have in the past. Um, but now, you know, the worries of the transfer portal is going to be even greater 
Because if you lied to any of those guys, any one of them, any one of those four-star, five-star prospects, you told them they're going to get playing time as a freshman, and they don't get playing time as a freshman, bye, buddy. You're you're hitting the transfer portal, and, you know, old Jimbo over there is going to have one less, you know, one less five-star talent on his roster. So combine that with the championship pressure of, hey, we got to produce by the time these guys are probably seniors, like Kirby Smart did with that 2018 class, and he eventually, you know, he did get that championship that everybody wanted and everyone wanted him to do. I mean, there's an expiration date on Jimbo's Fisher time at AM. This is, you know, I'm ready to put my big boy panties on and come to the table and start contending for national titles. That's what that is. So if they don't get, I mean, one offseason after, I mean, one season after getting, you know, one of the best classes of all time, if they don't get 10 wins, that's a huge disappointment. Huge disappointment. I don't care what you lost from last year. You have to get 10 wins. At least. You know, I'm with, I'm with Pat on here. Trav, uh, he says that Jimbo is in a pressure cooker for sure. Listen, I'm going to take back to your point here. Jimbo can't operate business as usual because that means he'll be Texas 8-4. and four, Okay? You can't do that. So you've got to change some things. And, and honestly, the key here is getting that talent in there. Right? You bring them to College Station. Now it's a matter of a, 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 just aligning everything, developing these guys, get the mentality that, you know, you're going to be a part of something, right? You, you're a part of something special already. Look at the recruiting rankings. But now you're sitting there and you're trying to fight for a title. And you have one of the hardest gauntlets, period, right? Because you sit there, you play Jimbo, uh, Jimbo will play Alabama in Tuscaloosa this upcoming year. Obviously, you look at Arkansas being legit now. I think I think Sam Pittman's got them ready to go. What happens afterwards, right? That's the key. You're, I think you're muted, Rob. We lost you. Rob, I think we lost you. Oh, I'm always losing, man. It's okay. <laughs> no, I was, as I was talking to myself, um, yeah, looking at things like this, right? Georgia, Alabama, we business as usual. It's the truth because ever since Kirby Smart came to Georgia, we've had top five classes, period. You can't say the same for Jimbo right now, right? You just got your first ranked class, right? Do I need to pull it back up? Ta-da. There you go. You went from 17th to 4th, 6th, 8th, 1st. Listen, that's fine. Cool. You went from 17th when you came, when you took over, and now you've got them established as a top five fringe, top uh, sorry, top ten fringe, top five. And that's fine, unless you're in the SEC. Unless you're in the SEC, you have to be top five consistently for multiple years. At that point, you can say business is normal because you, you look at the SEC outside of LSU in 2019, Alabama and Georgia have been, for the most part, persistent, consistent playoff contenders, right? They both have top five, top three, for that matter, recruiting classes. Same thing with Florida fans. When when Napier comes in, listen, Napier is doing a great job recruiting, but I need to see consistency in the top five for you to have any kind of merit, in my opinion, because a top 10, top 15 class in the SEC Top 15 is average. You're dead center in the middle based off of this season. 
And it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. Wait till Texas and Oklahoma come into the SEC. Then you've got 16 teams. It's just insane, right? Top 24, or sorry, out of the top 25, out of the top 25, 12 teams in the SEC were top 25. And it was honestly within the top 24 if you wanted to be specific. That right there tells you that a top five class, top three for that matter, you have to, to be at, at the top of the SEC, you have to do that. So a top 10 class is not going to cut it if you're trying to be a title contender. Top 15 for damn sure, right? If you're Vanderbilt, Moral Victor's top 25 recruiting class is fine. But if you're Georgia, if you're Bama, A&M for this matter, right? Florida, you're getting there trying to, you better, you better rake up. You better recruit your ass off because a top five is going to get you to the top. You you might get lucky if you're a top five, top ten, slip up and let, let a team above you slip. For the most part, you better start hitting that top three mark because it's just the way the, the way the cookie crumbles at this point in the SEC when it comes to recruit. Just the way I got to look at it. You better have, if you're Florida, a, a better motto than, quote-unquote, why not Florida? You, you better have a lot more in your cookie jar than just, just, just words at this point. Mm-hmm. I'll show you. I'll show you exactly why. Why not Florida? First, <laughs> I mean, listen. I know you. I know y'all. I know. I know Florida's got Napier now, and it's a different environment. But look, kids look at recency bias, right? It's a recent. It's what. What have you done recently, right? All you've got are false. Are promises right now? How to keep? You ain't got shit from the past, and literally current, right? Alabama can say that. Alabama can definitely say that. They just played for a national title this past season lost. But prior to that, you just they won a national title the year before. And, and Nick Saban is just a perennial title contender. You're never going to be out of the playoffs if you're Alabama so long as you're under Nick Saban. Georgia, you sit there, why not Georgia, right? Georgia just won a fucking national title, right? You can look at Ohio State. Why not Ohio State? Always in the playoff contention. Always in the, in the hunt, Right. Florida can't say the same just yet, right? And I'm not knocking Napier yet, right? I'm not – I said yet because I can't right now. Doing some good things. Doing some good things off the field. But when it comes – I need to see on-the-field production. And don't get it twisted. What he's done right now is A-okay if you're Florida because you're inspiring hope from what you saw when damn Bozo the Mullah and the Clown over there decided to stick around in, in, in the circus for four years at, uh, at Florida, right? That shit's gone now. You know, and, I, and me trying to take my red and black hat off. Listen, Nate, you gotta have to watch out and see what Napier can do. But on the recruiting class, you can't tell me that losing uh, Kamari Wilson, if you're a dog fan, didn't sting a little bit, right? Didn't sting a little bit because listen, he was a lot for the longest time expected to commit to Georgia to the point where even I myself had him had, had him a lock in the class before he, before anything was on paper. Shame on me, but. That's just one piece, right? Now they're in the mix for multiple five-stars, things like this. Listen, there's hope in Gainesville, right? There's hope there. What's going to happen when you you got Utah coming in week one? I'm telling you right now, I don't care if it's the swamp or not. Utah is a sound team, and they can come in and beat you if you're not careful. You have to come ready to play. We're going to find out what happens. And listen, Georgia's got to do the same thing because we go to Atlanta and we play the Ducks. And I'm And, and listen. I expect us to win that game, but I'm telling you, it might it will not surprise me if that game is closer and, and uncomfortable for Georgia fans by the end of the day. Just, it could be close. Just gonna leave it there. 
But I'm telling you right now, for so far, listen, I'm not knocking Napier yet. So Florida fans, and you know how I am. You know how I am. I'm telling you right now, I need to see what I, I need to see some shit on the field first before I really kind of set my verdict out on Napier. But you can't tell me that he's got that, he's got that culture changing, right? And, and that can be a problem with Georgia. And that could really be a problem if if they get it going. Auburn's hurting, man. Auburn's hurting that they didn't get him. Auburn's hurting Good. bad Good, that they struck out Auburn. with him. That's why. Listen, <laughs> first off, fuck Auburn. Period. I don't care. I don't care. If you rock blue and orange like that, and that if the in the Auburn orange and blue, fuck them. Fuck every one of them. I don't care. Don't really care. Good. I want you to sit there and be down. Period. And honestly, though, listen. You just better hope you better kiss a Harson's ass because if you don't, I'm telling you right now, I don't know who's going to come in and want to sit there and play Kirby Smart and Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher year in, year out, and, and going to be consistent. You fucked up. Also, play against your boosters. Oh, against yeah. the boosters at Auburn. I mean, not only are you facing Kirby Smart, and Nick Saban, um, used to be at Orgeron, but now it's Brian Kelly at LSU now. Uh, I, I'm, I will miss you at Orgeron. We will miss you greatly. Uh, the the Gold Thagas uh, at the end of a CBS. Yes, exactly. That's it. The, the end of a CBS interview. I will miss it. But, I mean, you're having to play against your own boosters, man. Your own boosters, your own people that, that basically, you know, can can dangle a carrot in front of your in front of your face that is your job security. Just dangle that in front of you and play with it. You know, you're having to fight those guys. And those guys give the university the money. Those guys have paid for your contract. They, I mean, that's a losing battle. Not my problem. I'm a damn dog fan at the end of the day. But I'll tell you this. If, if anybody had a question about how Auburn was ran, this offseason was the telltale sign of how just delusional that fan base and their boosters are. And if I'm a head coach and if I'm going anywhere and Auburn's on, you know, on that list, you'd be you'd be fucking stupid not to look at what just happened with Harson. Because you're sitting there, not only sitting there while he's on vacation, you try to find a way to fire him. You create a clause. You create something. You create a policy, basically, you know what I mean, stating if you don't comply fully, you can you can be fired for cause. Ironic that he's on vacation when he does that, though, and he's being investigated anyway. That right. And then you sit there, and when, he, when you can't find something, we love you, Brian. We love you. I'm telling you right now, if I'm any head coach trying to find a job and and Auburn's on my tape, on my plate, I'm looking at that and saying, how do I know that ain't going to happen to me? Until the boosters get their heads out of their ass, Auburn's going to stay the where they are. I just – I don't see a true big-time head coach coming there. And if they do, cool. But I don't see it. And you, you might catch a big name like on the tail end of their career and like the twilight of it, right? I just don't see it working out with how the boosters handle that shit. And, and like I said, I don't care because fuck Auburn. That's why. But if you want to be successful, you better figure that out. And your and your boosters in broad daylight just made you made an ass out of the entire program. So with Harson, after Harson, if he's gone, who's going to want to come into that? Knowing damn well that their job is already a political battle, right? Ain't nobody want to come in. Period. With that being said, sit there looking at it, right? Enough about my tirade, right? Enough about the tirade. 
Simple enough, right? Want to hop on and, and wrap today's show up first off, right? There's a lot to take away, a lot to take away. Offense looked efficient, what we, what we expected, right? Maybe even better. of position battles and a lot of spring left prior to G-Day. And, well, I wouldn't even say that. I should I misspoke. Whoops. April 16th, G-Day, end of spring camp. Tell you right now, though, it's going to get interesting because G-Day, we're going to find out a lot about our team on live TV, right? This is the way it's going to be. Harrison, it's a pleasure to have you on, my man, again. Tell people, hey, tell people where they can find you, man. Real quick, Robert, I just want to thank you for uh, hitting me up and having me on today. It's always a blast hanging out with Robert. Uh, I, I've been on here a few times now, and uh, nothing quite beats the episode right before Florida, the, uh, the Florida game this past season uh, with, with uh, you and Juan. That was absolutely the most entertaining episode I've been a part of. Um, any podcast I've been on, that that was that that I mean that that was number one. So, uh, guys. You can find me over on Twitter at TopDog underscore blogs, and you can find the Top Dog Talk podcast with my co-host Dan Kiley on iTunes, Spotify, whatever platform you want, whatever platform you, you listen to, you can find it uh, where, wherever. Uh, and yes, like Patrick like Patrick said, the Ministry of Convicts episode, man, oh man, go on the GGD podcast website and you can find the clip I'm talking about. One of the greatest moments I've seen. The best thing about it was I wasn't wrong either. That's that's the that's the beauty of it. I was not wrong either. Just gonna leave it there for all y'all Gator fans to soak it up. Just gonna say that. Hey, by the way, Florida, uh, your team just got swept in baseball over the weekend too. By the way, by the dogs. You're welcome. But on that note, though, guys, have a great day. We'll catch you back on the next. Thanks for listening to the DGD podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and to the DGD Podcast YouTube channel, where you can watch live Mondays and Fridays at noon Eastern. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the DGD Podcast. And check out the website at www.dgdpodcast.com.